from my perspective, and I'm interested in your viewpoint, Will, it's one of the fastest ways to exit. It is one of the easiest things to sell because done for you sells like crazy. It's easier to sell a McDonald's meal than to tell someone to go and grow potatoes and raise a cow and plant wheat. It's very hard to assemble a McDonald's meal with all the individual components, the long, slow, hard way, but it's very easy to do drive-through, right? So people will always want the done for you service, which is predominantly what a freelancer is going to be offering. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. Today we're talking about freelancing. We're going to cover why freelancing, what is freelancing, how you go about freelancing. For that, I've brought along my freelancy friend, Will Wang. Welcome back. Thanks, James. Bit of a different topic today, but really excited to dive into this with you. It's kind of more of a general topic. Like we often talk about sales, copywriting, persuasion, getting clients, cold email outreach, those sort of things. But that's all really a subset of a bigger group, which is being a freelance agency. You've been an agency. So why don't you just start off with talking about what is a freelancer, just so that we can get our mind around this, because there will be a segment of our audience who still have a job and might be very, very interested in becoming a freelancer. And I will say, just to sort of tease this, that was the pathway for me one of the lanes that I took to get off the job highway and into my sort of freedom highway was to use that freelancer job type. So we'll talk about that. This will be episode 855. So if you like what we talk about today, you'll be able to look it up on superfastbusiness.com. Will, what is a freelancer? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's got a different definition of what it means to them. To me, it's just you're in a position of making a good income for yourself, having a good lifestyle at the same time, and being more in control of what you do, who you do with, when you do it, uh, but at the same time, making sure that you've got all of your expenses and, and lifestyle covered. You know, it could look like a lot of different variations. You might only have one client, you'll pay for the output you've got, you might have a few clients. Ultimately, it really comes down to how much control and freedom you've got, though. Hence the word free in freelancing. Right. So we're basically talking about how you can become free. And this seems to be more topical now than it has been. I've actually added a couple of partners into my portfolio of businesses who I help because I help some businesses grow their business. And a couple of them are start from scratch freelancers. So it's been really eye-opening for me to go down memory lane and to help someone transition from being an employee to being a business owner. And we're talking about freelancing where they've gone out and they've become the master of their own destiny, the captain of their own ship through the business environment. And it's been at sometimes extremely overwhelming for them in terms of unlocking the brain into this whole new world. So hopefully we can cover some of that stuff. Why do you think this is a logical step away from employeeship to having your own situation? Yeah, I think the best example is actually some of the people you've helped recently. Uh, One of the people actually, you know, I've become good friends with as well. We surf together. So looking at his journey from being in the job that he didn't really enjoy too much to stepping into this new role where now he's got this sense of freedom where we can spend two hours in the surf together and neither one of us is stressing about, hey, we've got to get back because our boss is, you know, breathing down our necks about what we've got. I think just... The whole process reminded me of my journey in terms of leaving my job as well. So for me, 
depends on where you're coming from, obviously. But when I left my corporate job, I was in a six-figure salary. So it was a pretty hard thing to do to replace it with, for example, an e-commerce business. I needed chunky retainers coming through. I needed to get paid what I was getting paid as a professional IT person in corporate land. But I wanted to get out as soon as possible. So for me, freelancing made the most sense. I could charge what I was worth. I could work with great clients. And I also charge based on the value I gave to the businesses rather than the time I spent sitting down in a chair staring at a screen. Yeah, well, this is really one that confounds people because most employees are paid by the hour. So it's a different mentality altogether. In short, they've agreed to sell their time to an employer over an extended period, usually sort of on an ongoing monthly basis or every two-week basis or weekly basis, and sometimes on a longer contract in a very employee-like relationship. They've generally agreed to sell their time, and that's their effective hourly rate. And also, some of the other things that are different is they have no costs, really, as an employee. They get their money after tax, generally, so they get some benefits, they get their money after tax, they often get told what to do. Now, of course, my employees, my own team, are very much more like uh, mini freelancers within my business type where I don't tell them what to do. <laughs> they figure out what they want to do. And this can be really challenging when you suddenly, you know, you finish work and then the next week or the next month, it's like the whole world is your landscape. You've got a blank canvas to paint with. You don't have to be a certain place at a certain time to do a certain thing for a certain amount. That can be just like... <sighs> <laughs> I remember the first Monday ever when I actually became a freelancer and waking up and being home after the kids had actually gotten up out of bed and them seeing me like the surprise when they arise. And for me, it was just like, this is unreal to be here on a Monday morning when everyone else is slogging through traffic. Everyone's miserable on the bus going into the city. It's crowded, it's cramped, it's smelly. Everyone's unhappy. And to contrast that with a Monday where I woke up, yes, there was a lot of fear and you know I had to cover the bills and obviously you've got to get the income coming in. But to be able to see the kids there and that look of surprise in their face just kind of cemented for me what this is all about, what the freelancing journey is all about. It's good if you've got kids, you know. I will say I couldn't really process the first few weeks when I left my job. It was just an incredible thing. I, I may have shared this story before, but it was like the year after I quit my job. Well, I quit my job the middle of 2008. And at the end of 2008, I'd already sent the company that I was a super affiliate for broke and they didn't pay me. And I got caught without getting my ad costs recouped, which sucked. And I had this cash flow crunch at Christmas just momentarily. It's like, oh gosh, you know, and I had to wait for the next billing cycle to get back in. Still had the money coming in, but I had a lot of money go out that month. So, you know, when I talk about consistent six-figure months, I also had a six-figure expense or a you know, big five-figure expense in ad bills that never got recouped. So it just stung me then. So that was a bit of a wake-up. But then I remember early in 2009, I was up at the Gold Coast and I was speaking at a large event. I was of 500 people and I was doing an interview with Yannick Silva the night before who I was part of his Maverick group and he was interviewing me about this whole journey that I'd had. And I was just really processing my own journey and I still just couldn't believe that I'd actually left my job. I was on a good six-figure salary too, like we'll call it circa $300,000. And I remember I was supposed to speak and I remember just being in the shower and just crying. I had tears of emotion. It was just so overwhelming that I couldn't be sacked. That was, for me, that was the strongest emotion I'd felt for a long time because, firstly, you know, guys aren't supposed to cry is a big thing that you get told. I went to an all-boys private school. I was petrified of getting the stick 
you know, this is where back in the 80s, they used to actually hit children with a cane <laughs> that was allowed. And I was really scared of that. I spent my entire school years from year fifth class through to year 12, paranoid about getting the stick. And I nearly did once and it wasn't my fault. And because my father had a difficult experience in business where his role was made redundant and he was sort of caught out in that inflationary period in, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, I was just carrying this burden for my whole career. And I'll tell you, Will, I still had nightmares for at least five or six years after I left my job. It's only been three or four years now where I haven't had the nightmare where I'm still working in a car dealership. It was so traumatic. And for me, being a freelancer was one of the two, uh, two main pathways to get out. I had half the puzzle with being an affiliate and being an information marketer. And then the other half was being a freelancer, which is where I had two clients paying me $5,500 per month on retainer. And that was my exit ticket. And so it means a lot to me, this particular business model. From my perspective, and I'm interested in your viewpoint, Will, it's one of the fastest ways to exit it is one of the easiest things to sell because done for you sells like crazy. It's easier to sell a McDonald's meal than to tell someone to go and grow potatoes and raise a cow and plant wheat. It's very hard to assemble a McDonald's meal with all the individual components, the long, slow, hard way, but it's very easy to do drive-through, right? So people will always want the done for you service, which is predominantly what a freelancer is going to be offering. And generally, you can take advantage of whatever existing expertise you have or quickly learn a new one. And one of my other partners, in fact, I'm going to say both my partners have harnessed existing skills. One has harnessed most of his existing skill, but I've repackaged it completely into a different market. And the other one had to learn a brand new skill from scratch, but took advantage of an old university specialty of engineering. And I've turned him into a website developer. So you may not have all the keys you need, but hopefully after this episode, you've sort of got a big motivation. I just want to say there'll be nothing more emotional than when you step out of the everyday man's trance of just phoning it in and doing whatever they did the day before. Mm. Go to job, Netflix, wine, dinner, bed. Go to job, Netflix, wine, dinner, bed. If that cycle's not taking where you want to get to, then freelancer is like, you can take the keys and drive yourself wherever you want. So I've sort of shared my experience. You've sort of shared your experience. I've given some clues as to how you might go about this. But what I'd like to talk about, some of the roadblocks that you see people go through so we can just bust through them. Perfect. I think, look, there's a few key roadblocks. And the more and more people that I talk to about this from my previous life who have turned around and said, can you help me become a freelancer like, and do what you do? One of the biggest things, and you've kind of touched on this, is what do you do as a freelancer? And for me, people from my perspective, are too set in a certain way. They say it's either this or that. The way that I think if you have to jump out of your job now, if you're miserable and you want to leave work, the way that I like to frame it is, well, you're getting paid at the moment for a service or for some kind of value that you provide to your employer. Take that same value and take the equation of value and just give it to other people. So number one thing they ask, look, what can I do? Well, what are you doing now? And how do you do it for more people that sell just a value component without the time component? Because those two don't have to be linked. There's other ways to leverage the value you can create rather than just sitting here for eight hours staring at a screen where you might only be working for one or two of those hours. So that's the key thing. Again, uh, I like to take what you've already got because it's a much quicker way. You can go and learn something new, but it takes a little bit more practice, a little bit more time, but it can still work. 
when I left, I one of my first jobs was looking at data as a freelance in data expert because that was my day job. I came from data, so I went into data and it was a really easy transition. But at the moment, I'm a copywriter. Now, I've rebranded my entire skill set. I've learned everything from scratch and practiced and gotten better to the point where you know, I can confidently say I'm really good at this copy thing and I really love doing this copy thing. And that's my, my freelancing business. But it took a little while to get to that point, whereas immediately I went trading to data because that was the fast path. Yeah, it's interesting. I think separating your ability to add value from just selling time is a huge, huge barrier to bust through. That's where I think for both of my fresh candidates, that has been a massive challenge. I literally have to reprogram the computer. I have to say stop. So we have to get rid of this old software that's installed. You're thinking about this in an obsolete way. And the other tendency that I've had is they tend to try and do everything themselves. They just assume a new employee role, but now they're their own employer. And so I think that one of the other roadblocks is scaling. They often have trouble hiring people or spending money. And I often say this to them, look, let's say in your old job, you were making $150,000 a year. Now, both of my candidates were making about that. And that was profit. No costs, no responsibility. Just like turn up, get your 150. Now, if they start making $10,000 a month as a freelancer, mm. let's just say that's like an, a very achievable objective. It's like five $2,000 a month customers, two $5,000 a month customers, one $10,000 a month customer, which I wouldn't recommend, but you can. Let's say they do that. Now, it's very hard to have them start thinking about spending money. But I say to them, look, would you rather make $120,000 a year with no costs, like a 99% profit margin, mm. Or would you rather make $500,000 a year and spend $200,000, right? And do almost no work <laughs> compared to the one that's 320. <laughs> and they think about it and they say, yeah, I'd rather make 500 grand a year and spend 200. So the problem is they're not spending enough. And so for me, the thing that I've noticed is breaking through the time for money barrier. And two is breaking through the I'm going to do everything barrier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And again, I think for me, that was a really hard thing to process as well, because every time I had a spare second, I would think, well, what else can I do for my clients? Because I just felt guilty you know, at the very beginning of not being there when it was business hours, right? You kind of get out of it. Like nowadays, I mean, my clients don't want to talk to me. For example, one of the ones we talked about previously, we tripled his conversion rate, millions of dollars in profit, doesn't want to talk to me. He's happy with the results. He'd rather go and do what he enjoys with his time rather than getting on the phone to me every single day. But it takes a little while to kind of reprogram yourself to, to think that way. You hit the nail on the head. I actually thought I would spend about four hours a day on my two clients when I took them on. And I had those clients for seven years until I let them go. I actually gave one to another client of mine who does that because it just became like a very small part of my business. Like this income was like just way to the side of what I do now. And the other one, I just stopped. But one of them was an injury lawyer. And they were so busy with the leads I was driving them. I actually started out by doing their website, SEO, PPC, and helped them make video documentaries and all sorts of stuff. We're talking about 2008. So this is a long time ago to be doing those things, very early to the market. Every client to them, I think, was worth somewhere around $120,000 and they had more than they could deal with. The last thing they needed was for me to be meeting with them very regularly. I think I went into their office twice in seven years, just to put that in perspective. And by the way, by the time I got someone to manage the AdWords for me and I hired an assistant or two to help me with the content and the website and the analytics and the reporting, my personal investment of time was down to about 30 minutes a month. And in the beginning, most of that was sending off the invoice to get paid. Because once I set it all up and got it ticking along, it was working really great. And I was still able to collect a huge profit margin. 
and they were just loving it. They absolutely crushed it. So yeah, that's an, another thing is overcoming the guilt of the fact that you can make a lot more money from doing a lot less. I reckon there's a whole book in that topic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, those are some pretty big roadblocks I've seen. One of the other ones that I do get asked, probably if not first, second most often, is how do you get clients? That's probably a huge question which often comes up. And it's one of those things where I think for a lot of people, because they come from the environment where they don't have to think about how am I going to get my next meal? How am I going to support my family? It's a lot easier to not have to worry about that side, but it's a side that really catches up quickly with people, especially you know, if they jump too early. And that's something that I can talk about from personal experience, jumping too early, wrong pressure, wrong clients. But you know, you can fix all of that by getting more clients on board and getting in front of more people. So as a freelancer, just to touch on that, because I know that we're going to get questions on it. It's actually not hard to get clients. There are so many different avenues. There's so many different ways to go out there and start talking to potential clients, start getting them through, help them out. There's places like Upwork, which they can go to and just create a really good profile and start getting or applying for jobs. They can reach out to friends and family to try and get referrals and get into networks. They can attend events where their ideal clients are at. There are just so many different ways to actually land new work. Once they start freelancing for a little bit, that becomes the least of the issues. Then it comes back to more of the things that we've been talking about, the mindset and the guilt and how do I grow? How do I manage this? How do I not spend 80 hours a week? Because honestly, I think one of the things that I do regret not doing sooner, actually, was getting your help with the whole process because I went through the hard work. You're right in my wheelhouse now. You know, Aside from memberships and revenues, the other thing I spend most of my time with is helping agencies and having built and sold agencies. Yeah, you said this, you nailed it. The biggest concern is in the beginning is how do I get a client? That is the least of your trouble. It's actually easy to make sales. It's much harder to deliver sales and then scale the agency without hating its guts. And I'd say nine out of 10 agencies I talk to or freelancers at some point express to me how much they hate their business because they're building it in a very difficult way. It's kind of a simple business, but it is difficult because generally you're going to be labor intensive, which means you need to be good at hiring and training at some point, unless you're going to do all the work. And it's also client intensive. You're going to have, in some cases, clients with fairly high expectations, especially if you're not yet a world level expert and they haven't been pre-framed to believe that. And so um, there's a bit of a breadcrumb in there as to how you might get better clients at better rates and have happier experiences is if you can have really good positioning. And one shortcut that both of my apprentices, if you want to call them, have done is, yeah, they've joined forces with me and access my own client base. So I've actually eliminated 98% of the concern that most freelancers will have, which is how do I get a client? How do I do my marketing? How do I get my website up and running? How do I go and get a customer? How do I run ads? Like all that stuff just melts away. It's like, hey, here's prospects. Can you look after them? And now it's like, oh, I actually have to deliver. And I've got to be good at what I do and I have to learn that stuff. And then my challenge for them is how do you not be doing that stuff? And that's the stage we're at now. So it's been very interesting to see this progression. But I think if you go out into the sort of startup world or the solopreneur world, I'm going to call it that, the biggest discussion is about how do I get a customer? And it should not be your biggest problem if you're doing it right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know that if, especially if someone's listening to this and they're at the very beginning, they're probably thinking that can't be right. Customers are everything. But after you get to spend some time in the market, you start to understand it's not about customer acquisition. It's about customer retention, retaining the right customers, leveraging your time in such a way. You know, I've got a team of 15 right now and their only role in the business is to make my life easier and to make it so that my strategic thought process and copy can generate great results for our clients. Because 
our clients don't care. You know, if I'm the one finding the leads or running the campaigns, monitoring the tech, they just want the results. And, you know, once you can turn your brain around to saying, well, how can I deliver value as quickly as possible, as much value as possible, the clients will come because there's just no way they won't if you can do what you say that you can do. It's all about keeping them and maximizing your time, their value. Uh, and there is a way of doing that, which, you know, I've only learned recently after we started working together. But, you know, if you can do that and think about it at the very beginning, it makes your freelancing journey so much easier. Yeah, and it's like you realize that beyond client acquisition or sort of preceding that in a way is client selection. I reckon this is a make or break for most freelancers. Taking the wrong type of client will give you a terrible experience. It'll be bad for you and for them and you don't have to look far to see war stories on Facebook walls. Freelancers who rip them off or burn them or whatever or freelancers themselves posting about how their customer is the worst customer ever and didn't pay them. And like People make rookie mistakes like getting paid in arrears. <laughs> Just like really basic stuff. <laughs> That's where you and I help someone a lot is because we say, look, get paid first. Make your positioning ideal. Tap into the, the source of perfect customers. Only take on a job where you can knock it out of the park. That would be my advice. And also people say, do work for free and all of this. Start off for free and then they'll pay them if they do a good job and those sort of things. That can be really dangerous because you're setting a low bar for yourself. You're very easy to hire on that and it's hard to change the rules halfway through the project. So I would say to those people, start as you wish to continue. By all means, do test projects with people to sample what you can do, but you've got to have a hard limit. I'm sure there's lots of other little tricks and, and traps, but I notice what you and I've been doing independently, as it turns out, is documenting the process. I've done it for the last two and I said to you, Will, I'm happy to share notes because I know you're starting a little experiment and helping people who want to become a freelancer. And as listeners of this podcast often tell me when they reply back to my emails, they say, look, I know you don't help people who are starting out. Uh, well, I'm here to say, well, Will does. So can you just tell us how that works and what we could do if we want to explore becoming a freelancer? Yeah, so I think one of the things I learned even before we started working together, but just listening to how you process things was to document and to think and to reflect. So looking back on my journey, certainly, you know, it's been five years now since we've had this business. Things are great now, but the first two years were just miserable. I literally made every single mistake that I could have made. And I think if I hadn't made those mistakes, you know, things even like leaving my job too early, which is uh, one of the things that not enough people talk about if I can save someone from making those mistakes, they can achieve what I've achieved so much faster and with so much less effort and stress. That's not even going into all the stuff that you're just the absolute best in the world at that you've helped me with. But I feel like I can take someone and give them a roadmap of here's what you do, here's when you do it, here's how I've done it, and here's what it looks like. My theory is that if I can take a group of people like that and step them through the process and have them do what I did or what I would do now if I was starting, we can get them out of their jobs pretty quickly. So I'm putting together an experiment. It's a group program. It's got guarantees and I do a lot of guarantees with everything that we do. But I want to see, is the stuff that I did repeatable? And, and I know it is, but I just want to prove it to myself and to the world. And how can we help as many people as possible who are at that early stage who are thinking, you know, and looking around for options and maybe looking at the wrong things or focusing on the wrong types of thought patterns. How can we help them break out of those thought patterns and really take the right actions to be successful in the next six or 12 months? Yeah, I like it. And I think you're a great teacher, Will, because you're dynamic, you're very smart, obviously. Anyone who's listened to our previous episodes, and we get the, the comments as well, you are a quick thinker. A great study. I think you synthesize information and most certainly probably deliver your training in a far superior way than I do. 
I would challenge you on that. No way. <laughs> you know, you're living life as an agency and a freelancer, and it's such a good point when to leave. I actually set myself a trigger point, and it was such a simple rule. I will quit my job the day my online business matches or exceeds my income. That was my trigger. So for me, I had a $300,000 starting trigger and it took me 2.5 years and half of my income was freelancing and the other half was information products and affiliate marketing. So I already had a little bit of hybrid vigor in terms of my income. So that sort of leads me to the question, is this something you can do as well as something else? And in particular, could you start this while you still have a job? Because right now, there are a lot of people working from home who used to work in the corporate, like my friend who you and I know, he used to hate Mondays and he used to comment to me how much he hates Mondays. And I, and I would question him, like, how much do you hate Mondays? Mm. <laughs> and even though it's not my thing and what I do, I took him under my wing and said, if you're really serious, like if you really want this, I will help you. And I think it took us six weeks until he was making $8,000 US per month from scratch. And that was just me not doing it as a course and not laying it all out in advance. That was just like each step of the way. And I couldn't have done it without him. He needed to do it. And he's now increased that again. Uh, he's into to, uh, five figures per month with just a couple of clients, just taking <laughs> it one step at a time and doing a great job with it, I might add. Mm. And, and so I've seen this through my own eyes. And now he calls me James the Liberator. It's <laughs> a great name. I'm the one who's given him this path. Now, there is absolutely, and, and he agrees with me, there's zero chance he would have been able to achieve this without my intervention. And I think what you're offering here is the same thing and very, very powerful. So how do we get in touch with you or what's the next step? Yep. So the next step is, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but you know, from my experience, because it's still fresh enough in my memory that I can look back and look at my experience and reflect on how I was thinking. You've got to know that you wouldn't do this. And what I mean by that is some people look at it and go, oh, I hate my job. But if they, maybe it's the company, right? Maybe they like being an employee or they don't mind working with someone else. And it's just that their company or their manager sucks. So maybe, you know, there is an element of risk involved. Obviously, you've got control of your destiny for good or for bad. So the first thing to do is like, do I really want to go down this path to become a freelancer, to be accountable for my life and my actions? And if the answer is a resounding yes, Awesome. Uh, you know, reach out to me on my website, growthlabswithaz.com. What I'm doing at the moment is having a chat to every single person who comes through and giving them some kind of guidance or direction in terms of what they should be doing, where the value is, how to get the first clients, and literally walking them through the path that I would recommend walking if I had to start again. But obviously, with the hindsight of not making mistakes, because you know, your story is great in that you had the trigger point. My story is not so much. I made the mistake of leaving too early. I've got a long story behind it. I kind of got tricked into leaving my job with big promises. Again, really naive, never stepped out of corporate, got tricked into leaving my corporate job. And the first few years was just a mad scramble. So it's really funny, the approach I took, which is the one I wouldn't recommend to everyone else. But looking back on it, it's what helped me to shape things you know, and move it in, in a pretty fast way. Well, most people need that change in situation to stretch and to grow. Like, what do they say? Comfort is the enemy of growth. So if you're in a great place, then comfort's fine. I'm really having an interesting sort of mental discussion about this with myself. I'm actually reasonably comfortable and I'm okay with that. I know this is counter the hustle culture, but I'm okay with comfort because I'm still growing at my own pace and I'm enjoying what I do. I'm partnering with guys like you, Will, and that makes me happy. So people who come on your program are still going to get my support anyway, either through you or if they're a good candidate for what they freelance in, my community might also be useful. And there might even be 
a platform for some of your superstars to come and talk about it on this particular show. Like I'm all about supporting my community and the people who support the business and who support my partners. So, you know, I remember that night you sat at the table with me at uh, the Oaks at Neutral Bay and you said, I'm interested in coming on board. I said, great, which program? And you said, I want to become a partner. And you've had stratospheric growth and success. So of all the people I know, you're one of the fastest moving, uh, most successful people in the shortest time. So if someone does get the opportunity to work with you, I think that they would be lucky. And they're also going to get some extended support from me anyway. You probably see me pop by and, and help out in some capacity. But I think this is really important. I'm the same as you, Will. This is like stopping smoking or giving up a bad habit. You have to want to do this. And it's like my candidates, I did not help them until they convinced me that they really, really wanted it. Because there was a prior period to the start where they didn't really want it. And I called them on it. I said, you don't really want this because you've done absolutely nothing about it. If you really did want it, you would have been pestering me for the next step. You would have asked me what to do next and then you would have done it and you wouldn't be whinging about having to go to work on the Monday. So I do think too many people just spend money on programs and they feel like spending the money is actually achieving the result. Derek Sivers talks about this, why you shouldn't disclose your goals publicly because (laughs) when you do that, you're actually experiencing the same high as if you've achieved it. When you read a sales letter, you get walked through all the emotions by a skillful copywriter and then relieve the tension when you pay the money and then basically you stop. So you've already been through the experiences if you've achieved the result and then you don't actually do the work. And we're all guilty of this where we buy things and don't use them, whether it's a book, whether it is a course, some kind of program. We all have subscriptions we don't use, etc. So make sure you really want it because that's the first selection filter. And if you really, really want it and you really feel you're going to do something with it, you might be just another Will Wang and that's a good thing. Yeah, thanks so much, James. It's really funny to um, – I don't know how to express the gratitude I've got in terms of the work we've done and it's just been absolutely life-changing. And if I can even give a fraction of that to someone else, it's going to be such great business because I, I know from – having worked for you, it's just been life-changing. Like there's no other way to describe it. So that's the stuff that – I love to give back as well and to contribute. Um, when you talked about growth, I mean, we doubled last year during you know, this global pandemic, we doubled the business. So I think with the business, it's still growing really fast, but I don't know if I've, I want to necessarily double again, but I know that I want to have somewhere, some other way of contributing back to the people who might've been in a position I was in and to help them leave and have their mark in the world as well. So yeah, but really appreciate you saying that. And as much as the growth that I know externally feels like we're growing fast, but I always think we're going too slowly. So <laughs> we, we shall see. That remains to be seen. I know, but there's a real metric there. And you know, one thing I've noticed is despite your growth and success, you're still out there surfing every day. I know this for a fact. I've seen you out there. And you know, that to me is a well-rounded situation. You're a family man and you're still doing your other sports where you wrestle people and those sort of things and you spend time with the kids. So I'd love us to pass that baton on to someone else. If you're listening to this and you think this is what you want to do, get in touch with Will, growthlabswithaz.com. You can always respond to my emails as well. Every email that I send out from Superfast Business, it'll come back to me and unless it's a receipt or something transactional. I don't reply to them. They'll probably go to the team. But if you're getting an episode update or whatever, you can reply back to me and I'll put you in touch with Will if that's easier. But whatever works for you. Also, I want to find out what your freelancer questions are. I know we've sort of touched on why you might want to be a freelancer, what a freelancer is, some of the how-tos, like when to do it, what you might actually be doing, whether you need to be skilled or not. We've sort of covered the basics. But if we're going to extend into a little series on this as part of our Will Wang get-togethers, 
What questions do you have for Will or myself about being a freelancer? Fire away, send them in, reply to my emails, wherever you see me, and I will schedule them up with Will and we'll just get through them. We've got endless podcasts up our sleeve, but I want to make sure they're really useful for you. So, Will, in closing? In closing, (laughs) I was just thinking through what I would say as a final piece. Look, the way that I look at it is freelancing can be misrepresented out there. Like, obviously, people only talk about the good stuff, right? You know, the freedom. You see all the gurus, and I'm putting this in their brackets, all the gurus out there with their feet in the sand, drinking cocktails and with the day of a laptop on there. And it's just silly. It's just not what freelancing actually is. The real gold and you know, the real uh, driver behind freelancing is just having that sense of control or freedom of being able to say in the middle of the day, hey, I'm going to spend two hours with my kids just because I want to. But there's work that you need to do to get there. Like as you were saying, the people that you're mentoring, bringing up now, you have to get them to prove themselves that they're willing to work because you, you can't skip the work. The hard work has to be done one way or another. So don't expect it to all be rainbows and fairy tales from the very beginning. You're going to have to work hard, especially if you're going to keep your job. There's going to be long hours. There's going to be a grind. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I want people to know what it is in reality, but at the same time, you can look forward to having this amazing life in six months, a year, two years, however long it takes you to get there. The end for me personally, it might not be for you, people listening, but for me, it's so worth it, but you have to be willing to put up with the slog initially. And you know, that's my truth in terms of my journey with freelancing. Yeah, it's good. I, I got tagged in a post today by Ron Reich, who's an awesome coach, by the way, for what he does. And he said, you know, I tell the truth when I say there's BHW, you know, bloody hard work is involved. I worked as hard as anybody in the beginning, especially in my career and in the early days online. To have what I have now, I wouldn't do it any other way. But that's kind of an inescapable situation. You've just got to put in the work. And like all these astronauts lately blasting off to space, they've put in a big amount of effort to get to that position. Whether you agree with it or not, or think it's great for humans or not, like the facts are they started from scratch, they put in the effort, and they got their goals accomplished. Whether they're right or wrong, not getting into that, but I'm saying there will be an effort. You've got to burn a lot of rocket fuel to get that booster off the ground so that you can have your zero gravity experience, which is sort of the stage I feel like I'm at now. I'm loving it, but it was a bit of an effort to get here. So that's it. This is episode 855, superfastbusiness.com. You can get the transcript if you want to go through it at superfastbusiness.com. If you enjoyed the show or you know someone who's got a job they don't love, but they're constantly telling you how much they really want to have their own business as a freelancer, or maybe they don't even know what a freelancer is, but they should, send them over to this episode. Appreciate you, and we'll catch you on a future one. Thanks again, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.